Terence, hi, we finally connected. <laughs> hi, good evening, Lindsay. Sorry about that. <laughs> Strange phone lines. Well, you know, it's that sort of Zen moment when you can see people crossing each other in the dark. You know, I can see one line going out and the other one coming in. Um, uh, Terence, you know, because we we pass in the night as we as I end a show and you start another. Uh, there are many things we don't know about each other, and I did not know that you were a father to two children, one adopted and one not. Now, you adopted your second child, I understand, with a couple of months after having your first son. Actually, it's the other way around. We uh, adopted our first child, and then about a month or two after finishing the formal adoption process, we found out that my wife was pregnant with our second child. Okay. Uh, it was quite a surprise. Now, you know, do you know how common that is? <laughs> Well, this is the thing. We we, we uh, didn't adopt because we were struggling to fall pregnant. It actually wasn't part of the plan at all. But uh, it's weird how, how it worked out that way. <laughs> because, well, especially with people who are trying and then they give up and adopt. And it's about the... the, the I guess you... you you're not yearning for it. You just relax and and life carries on. Um, so so, I was I was I would be really impressed if it was the other way around because to have a small baby and then have another one, um, uh, it it speaks though to the issue that when you adopt, you need to be very clear about it, and don't you? Yeah, of course. You know, it's um, it's it's definitely not something that is for everyone, um, but it's the kind of thing that I feel everyone should give a lot of time and thought to, um, especially since, you know, we, we often have this idea that adoption is about going in and rescuing a child from a bad situation and you go and, you know, you're the, you're the, the, the saving middle class person who's going in and saving the poor child. And that's actually not what adoption is about at all. You know, adoption is about wanting to extend your family. It's about um, having a hole in your family that. Um, you, you want to fill, and this is just one of the ways that you want to, would like to fill it. Um, so, so don't, really, don't you think it's also about, in some cases, diversifying your family? It, it definitely can be. Um, and in South Africa, the vast majority of adoptions are, are of course, um, transracial adoptions. So um, it's, uh, it, it definitely does add a bit of, uh, uh, yeah, definitely adds diversity to your family, almost. Um, it's almost out of your choice to, to go that way, mm. um, and it's a it's it's definitely something that can be um, quite a daunting challenge, I think, for a lot of people uh, to to all of a sudden bring a different culture, a different look, different hair type. You know, or there's so many facets to it that that make adoption in Alaska quite complicated. I'm going to get back a little bit to the the process you followed. But mm. we were chatting last night about siblings and the issue of um, favoritism. Do you think, because you have an adopted son and a biological son, do you think that you sometimes may overcompensate to make your adopted son child not feel like he's getting lef less love or attention or something? I, it's definitely hard not to. Um, I, I think... I must give my wife quite a lot of credit and my, my extended family a lot of credit that they, they, they go out of their way to treat both boys equally and to show them the same amount of love and care. But 
I know for myself personally, um, you know, with as a father, you, you get to spend a lot more time getting attached to your adopted child than you might have with a biological child. Because, you know, you're doing all the feeds, you're, you're doing all the late night stuff, you're doing all the things that can kind of be split. Um, traditionally, that moms would do themselves, those things can now be split. So um, it was a lot easier for me to connect with our adopted child than our biological child, in all, in all honesty. Um, so so there is a, it is difficult for me um, not to show favoritism to the child that I get along with better. <laughs> um, but the, the, when, it, when it comes to adoption, this is one of those things where you need to be clear about it before you go in. You need to be clear about things like how do you discipline your child? You know, you don't want to discipline your adopted child differently from your biological child. Um, how do you spoil the child? How do you show love and affection? All those kinds of things you need to be very, very clear on beforehand so that in the case of there being a difference in with the siblings, you are, they won't look back and be able to go, ooh, you know, when, whenever I ask for something, I, was, I got this response. But when you ask for something, you got this response. Um, yeah, so it's, it is, like I said before, there's a lot of thought that goes into adoption before you even think about signing any kind of paperwork. Mm. I know a couple who... Um, nearly got divorced over the issue of adopting a child from another culture, and it it is a challenge, and it it it's it is a consideration to to uh, who you are as a person, your extended family, and you you've got this issue in in your family. How did that work for you? Well, I mean, we uh, uh, we have a, a cross-racial marriage, so so immediately we were kind of on the on a bit of a more stable platform when it comes to that. My I'm coloured, my wife is white, so the the idea of working across cultures we found a little bit easier. But even with that, there there is a you need to be honest with yourself. Um, I think that's one of the most important things that we discovered that um, if you do struggle with issues around culture or with issues around race. And, and if you really look down deep and you find that, that, that there's, a, there's a bit of prejudice in your heart somewhere, or even that there's prejudice in your family, you really need to think hard about whether or not you, you want to adopt. Um, of course, those are things that you actually still need to deal with. Yeah. But, well, it's but, interesting but, that you say prejudice, but for many people it isn't prejudice. It's the sense that... Um, of vulnerability and how will I be able to cope? I mean, you mentioned it yourself. I mean, something mm. silly like dealing with, uh, you know, a different kind of hair. Um, in, in your case, as you say, the extension of mixed race to black, that's n not such a leap, perhaps. I, I, you know, but I think the importance is understanding that people have got different reasons for not wanting to take on that responsibility. And often it's about them feeling that they might f fall short not uh, not with a hint of prejudice. Sure, 100%. I mean, for instance, for myself, I knew that I would not be able to be a good father and parent to a special needs child. Mm. Not because special needs children are, are any lower on the food chain, yeah. but I know for myself personally what I'm capable of. Yes. So when, when I went through that paperwork, and, it, and in the paperwork it says what... Um, you know, would you be happy to adopt a, a special needs child? I said no. 
And, and that felt uh, that felt terrible. Mm. Like it mm. felt like I was being a very selfish person. And you wanted to but, justify it, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, of yeah, course. Yeah. But the fact is, it's it's even more selfish to try and use a child to make yourself feel better about yourself. Like you you can't use you know you can't make a martyr of yourself at the child's expense. That's not fair for anyone. Yeah. Um, and it's not and and that's where like you you mentioned a couple. Um, potentially even getting divorced like that's where the tensions arise yes. because yes. you haven't been honest with yourself or with your partner and with your family from the very very early outset and and i keep talking about extended family because when it comes i mean if for any parent whether you're biological whether you have a biological child or adopted child or foster child any parent will know that having a good support system is like absolutely mm. essential mm-hmm. to surviving. And everyone <laughs> and needs to be on the same page, as you said. Yeah, yeah. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And, and if you know that you can't go see that auntie or uncle or you can't go see your parents and your parents aren't going to maybe want to babysit or have or that could be awkwardness even around the, mm. the mm. Christmas dinner table mm. because you have your black child there, you have to be, you, again, that's a, that makes it, a difficult time, extra difficult. There's one of the kids crying. Oh, lovely. Absolutely lovely. Basha Taylor, you've called in from Cape Town. Good morning to you. Um, good morning, Lindsay. Thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to speak to you this morning. It's lovely to to, uh, to hear you. I, we normally speak over Facebook. <laughs> of course, yes. <laughs> yes. Look, I, 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 I have really, really total respect for people that are taking such a very huge step of, of adopting. But I think what uh, a lot of people are not aware of is the legalities behind, you know, this big sacrifice that we're doing. Because, I mean, surely, I, I mean, I love what, 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 what you, what you um, the person that you're interviewing is talking about. Terence, Real yeah. issues, yes. I mean, I mean he, he is really addressing the real issues. And I'm quite happy because this is the part that people need to hear about. I mean, everybody makes adoption looks like a very pretty thing where you're going to go and buy a puppy, you know, at a pet shop or something like that. But it really entails a whole lot of other things. And what, what I have personally experienced over the years of working with community is that, you know, some of these children have been removed from families. You know, they've got their own living relatives, you know, both maternal and paternal. And that has already infringed on the rights of, of that little child, you know, mm-hmm. irregardless of the socioeconomic status. Yes, somebody could provide a better future for that child, could provide and, and do even much of a greater job. But what, what is the benefit? What is the need of that particular child? When they grow up, what would they have wished, you know, to, to mm-hmm. see happen, to be raised by their mother or to be raised by this family that was able to give them this good life that, that, that everybody keeps talking about. And we have worked with the other side of, the, the, of, of young men and women who have ran away from home because they've discovered that they were abducted, very miserable, having deep psychological issues because certain things were not surely dealt with from, a, from an earlier age. And which is why sometimes we do advise that, you know, people that are intending to, to adopt, they must really consider adopting orphans, children that doesn't actually have mm. parents. Mm. Because mm. now you have taken on somebody's child, there's a mother out there that is crying, that wants their child and... Uh, and, and they're not able to look after them. Sometimes it's because of abuse situation, violence in the home, uh, substance abuse and, and being homeless. I mean, I've seen many cases where children were removed from their mothers because they are homeless. And, and at the end of the day, 
it's, I, I personally feel that it's a very inhumane way of separating, you know, a child mm. from their real parents. Mm. And which, you know, on the other end, we love the happy story, the happy ending of the story where the child has got a better future. You know, and that is a. But, but at the end of the day, if if you look at it from a humane point of view, mm. parents you know, first, what is absolutely. Yes, absolutely. Yes. That, that is my standing point. Yeah, let's check in with Terence. Terence, do you did was that something you you considered? Uh, one hundred percent. Um, with with all of the um counselling that you go through before. Oh, sorry, I'm trying to get you both on the line, and I've made a mess of it. No worries. Um, can you hear me now? Yes. Oh, great. Um, yeah. So so the the counselling that you go through spends a lot of time talking about the the biological parents, and I mean, look, let me first say because I don't want to, I don't want to um, demonize adoption. I absolutely adore my older son. He is amazing and I, I, I could not be a happier and luckier father to have my oldest boy, Liam, in, in my life. So, so that's, the, that's the first thing I'm definitely to say. So, so there's a lot of joy and a lot of, a lot of love that has come out of the process. But the process started from a point of loss and grief. My, my oldest boy lost something he lost it and every adoption mm, starts mm, like that every mm. adoption starts and, mm. and, and your call is 100 correct is there's, there's adoption isn't that it never starts with a good story and to pretend like mm. that didn't happen is must be incredibly damaging you know it's it's for anyone who's had loss and grief in their life which i, I mean I'm, i assume all of us have had some mm. level of that the worst thing to do is to pretend like it never happened. Mm. And Basha, what you're saying is you make it worse if the parents are still there having had some sort of loss and then that parenthood is taken away from them. Exactly. It is. You see, and, 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 and that is what I, I, I've said, that, you know, I, I, I love the approach of, you know, a child being loved by somebody else, but when the parents are still alive, mm. it doesn't really you know, end there because they still have love for this child. And, and it's so painful, you know, because, you know, I've had, the, you know, a, a situation many a times where I have to be present when the child is separated from the parents oh. to the adoptive parents. Oh. And that is the worst thing ever. And yeah. I'm, I mean, I mean, I love what, 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 what is being talked about at the moment, you know, the beauty of, of adoption. And I'm appreciating the truth that comes out of it so that, you know, the listeners can understand that this is really a very difficult and emotional time for both parties i mean you you don't take the joy of taking another person's child but at the same time you know you have to deal with the emotions that comes with that you know because you 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 have just taken somebody else's child yes you are happy that you have this one person that you're going to love and you're going to try your level best to give them the best that you can but at the same time you know who can justify if the mother or the father that is living if they could give them that best even in the midst of poverty Basha, thanks so much for your call. I think I must get you on uh, on your own yeah. another time. <laughs> thanks for that. Um, Terence, um, uh, tell us about your process in terms of the, rig- the rigmarole, because, I mean, I'm using that word uh, mindfully because, as you said, you know, there are uh, 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 rigorous questions that you need to answer and, and, and a lot of uh, introspection. Yes, we um, well, we have a fairly unique story when it comes to to how we got to the point of adoption. Um, after we had been married for a couple of years, my my wife suggested that we become temporary safety care parents. Oh, uh, basically, okay. Those, okay. Are, those are people who kind of care for the children while they're in the process of being adopted. Um, so, do we, we not call that, that foster parenting anymore? 
So foster parenting is kind of longer term. Oh, so it's shorter years. term. Okay. Shorter term foster yeah, parenting. Okay. Okay. So anything from a couple of weeks to a couple of months, it's, it depends on, on each case. Um, we did that for a couple of years for about uh, for, uh, 13 babies. And um, the 14th baby was the child that we decided, wow, this child is somehow we're especially connected. It to just crept into your heart. He just he just got in there <laughs> and I I knew that this was my son. Um, oh wow! And yeah. so we had to we had to, we had to despite the fact that we were already in the system. Um, yeah, in the system we had to do the whole process from scratch, which meant we had, um, you know, we had home visits, we had uh, interviews with the social care uh, with the social workers, um, we had personality tests, we had extensive financial um, checks. Uh, police checks, all those kinds of stuff. You know, it takes and it could take a takes a. That's the paperwork took about a month. Um, we were very fortunate because the social workers who were on our case were extraordinary. Um, they, they from the, we went via other adoptions and they were caring and loving and they they helped us through the process. They 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 understood that this is obviously a very daunting process for anyone. Mm. Um, and and. They made it easier for you. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. Can I just go to Shona in Milneton? Hi, Shona. Hi, Lindsay. Lindsay, I have a, an interesting story that I don't think many people would think to use, but having seen it um, and seen the whole thing play out, it's been wonderful. I was fostered by some missionaries in, in then Rhodesia, today Zimbabwe, as a teenager. And these missionaries had a son of their own, and they then applied to adopt a sibling because they couldn't have any more children and soon after the adoption was granted they then fostered my brother and I so we were a family of four children two adults mm. and um, what I loved about it was that from the time I entered the house and, and the little one was only two years old they had made a scrapbook with which was a storybook mm. about how these parents had prayed for little brother or sister mm. for their for their son mm. and how eventually they were so excited when they got the phone call and they went through to pick up this prayed for and special child. And it was made into such a beautiful story. And right up until the age of five, and I would often be the one that was giving her or reading her a bedtime story. This was her favorite, favorite, favorite um, bedtime story. So she knew right from the beginning that she was adopted and that she was special. And then, of course, watching her growing up, she never, ever yearned or wanted to know who her real parents were. Because she knew she was special and she knew she was loved mm. and she knew where she was, that she was supposed to be there. She then went on and got married and she's now living in America with her children and she's been married, you know, she's happily married. She's a teacher now and, uh, you know, her kids love her, you know. Mm. And this is all, and she's never, ever at any stage wanted to know who because she felt so special. And mm. I think if, if, if this story could be presented in such a way, that, that parents could use this, it, it really does make a difference. And it doesn't, you know, I hear these traumatizing stories of when a child reaches 18 or 21, they get told that they were adopted. You know, it's such a shock to their system. And, and then they want to go, they want to know who abandoned them, who gave them mm, away, mm, why mm. were they given away. It's so traumatizing for them. Not once, even, you know, now that we're adults, she's like my, my sister, we stay. A couple of times I asked her, didn't, you know, didn't she ever want, she said, no. 
I knew who I was. I knew I was special. I knew they wanted me and that was enough for me. Oh, wonderful. Thanks for sharing you know, that story. So I hope others can also make use of that. Thank you. Um, Terence, that is, that is the key, isn't it? About, <laughs> oh, you know... Man. Story just makes me get goosebumps because <laughs> <laughs> makes me feel that I'm doing the right thing. Um, but exactly, we have the same viewpoint of mm. of you know making sure that Liam has. Sorry, Liam's my my oldest boy. He's mm. my my adopted son. Mm. Um, I, I just assume everyone knows him. <laughs> um, we we make sure we're making sure that he has control over his story. I think that's kind of what your caller was saying there. You know, mm. he's going to understand. As, as he gets older, as he's able to ask the right questions and, and understand these things, he will understand the, the details of his story better and better. And he will be allowed to tell it to who he wants to tell it to. He, will, he can use it the way he wants to use it. Um, if he wants to try and find out more about his um, biological parents or more about where he was born or, or any of those things, you know, the way we view it is we have absolutely no right to take that away from him. Um, mm. We have no right to take her. If so much has been taken away from him already, mm. how dare we take more? More, you know. So, so we and and I'm hoping that we have the same experience of him knowing that he is loved and cared for and special and one. He is as much a part of this family as I am. Yeah. Um, I also want to highlight what what you were doing before you adopted because I think that is even harder than adopting. Um, I know people who foster parents, and as you as you explained to me, I didn't realize the difference. So you do it. It's really short term. Uh, if there's a crisis, your emergency parents um, they foster. So you get you get an attachment, and then the child is placed. That's got to be the hard the hardest thing for a parent is as you say. Some some children get under your skin, and then they go. Yeah, there were for there were a lot of tears in the mental household for quite a for quite a couple of years. And um, again, I have to give credit to my wife because there were a lot of times when I was like, "This is too hard. I can't do this anymore. I'm quitting." And she just would say, "Look, just because it's hard doesn't mean it's not worthwhile." Mm-hmm. And that would kind of rebuke me, and I would, go, I would kind of get, get hardened again. Um, and we had we had children and we had babies with us for three four months, um, and. The whole point is for, for you to care for them and love them the way any child should receive that care mm. and love in their, mm. first, their formative months. Mm. So you do, you do give a lot of yourself and then they get placed with, with a family and, and hopefully you get to see that moment. Hopefully you get to um, see them as they grow up and we, we, we're still connected with a couple of the forever families who, um, who, who got... Um, who I don't want to say got to keep our children. Who parent them? Who formally parented them? Yeah. And and that's fantastic because we see them growing up and we see how much they're loved by these people. And and we also got to see how grateful those parents were, because for a lot of adopted parents, when they only receive their child at six months or a year or or two years even, they want to know not just the child's history, but like what does he like. What or what does she? What toys does she play with? You know, what eccentricities does she have? What what's her personality like? They want to know all that, and to have that come from a family who cares for that child is very very special for adopted parents. So, so it was a real honour to do that. Um, it was incredibly hard, <laughs> very 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 hard, and uh, I don't think I'll do it again. Okay. <laughs> well, uh, you you you've got a, a complete family now, Andrew in Durbanville. Good morning. I mean, good night. Somebody's reminded me it's not morning. Yes, I know, I know, I know. Hi, Andrew. Hi, good evening. I just wanted to ask uh, um, the gentleman uh, that you're chatting with now. Terence. Um, 
does the law allow you to have contact still with those children that you assisted? Are you allowed that, or do they totally uh, remove the child from use of the system? Or what? Uh, it's just something that crossed my mind. Okay, I'm going to put you on hold there, Andrew, because you're in the car. Yeah. Uh, hi, Andrew. Yes, um, it, it really does depend on the parents, of, because once uh, they sign a piece of paper and they formally become the child's parents, they have full rights over who the child can and can't see. Um, there's no, as far as I'm aware, there's no legal precedent that there's, not, there's nothing in the law that says we're not allowed to see that child ever, ever again. But um, yeah, it really just does depend on the parents. And, and like I said, we, we got to um, we stay in contact with one or two of the parents, um, and we, we get to meet the children again in a year's time. And they're all grown up, and it's very wonderful and, and very sweet. So, so yeah, it's, it's actually really great because there's these families all around Cape Town, and actually at the moment all around the world, because some of them have, have immigrated, who, who have a little bit of us with them in a, in a weird way. We're connected to these families. Mm. Um, the way we like to, say, to, to think of it is actually that we've just made the family bigger. Andrew, did you have another question for him? I did, no, no, that was, thank you very much. It's just that nice to know that, uh, you know, even after, yeah. I, I, I still call it fostering because to me it doesn't matter if it's short or long. Okay. Looking after another child that you still have the opportunity if the adoptive parents allow for you to still be part of that child's life that you've spent, um, whether it was a week, a month, uh, six months, um, in assisting and raising and looking after and having and caring that you don't just have it ripped away from you and then you never get to hear about it again. So it's nice to still, hopefully the parents who are the adoptive parents allow you still to have contact through the growth of the child. I think that's also important to a foster parent. Thanks, Andrew. Uh, absolutely, Terence. And, and I like the sort of big brother sort of feel of it. Um, yeah, yeah, but and look, ultimately it's about for me, it's about the child. Like, what is the most in, important thing for that child? It's, it, it, and sometimes that does mean that you need to, you know, it's almost like in a weird way, like a breakup. Sometimes you just actually need to keep your distance um, for, for a good couple of months or a year while the child forms a, a solid bond with um, his or her new family, yeah. uh, which is very hard to do uh, because you've loved that child so much for however long yeah. um, he's been in your home. But, but sometimes that's what's best for the child and you just have to do it. Absolutely. Suck it up. Terence, thank you so much. Uh, you've been a star. Oh, Lizzie, thanks for having me. Okay, you take care. Cheers.